everybody, uh, a lot of you want to work with VaynerMedia. Good news, we're hiring. We're hiring creators, uh, specifically right now, and we'll keep updating this promo throughout the year. Video and design capable individuals. People that have good ideas and would know what to do if we needed to sell watermelon or or bubble gum or soap or wine or sneakers. Uh, we're looking for video and image creators. Think about the stuff I put out on Instagram, that kind of stuff. Are you scrappy? Are you hungry? Uh, com slash creators with an S. Uh, go fill out the form. Please join our team at VaynerX because I think some of these people are gonna go into 137, some are gonna go to Vayner Talent, mainly for Vayner Media and maybe the occasional person for Team Gary V. If you wanna join the VaynerX family, please go check out, specifically right now for Vayner Media, though we save the resumes and we move them around to GaryVee.com slash creators with an S. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. It is September 10th, 2020. Beautiful Thursday here. Hope you guys are doing well wherever in this world you are. We are coming to you live from our Connecticut studio. Today, I am really excited because we're going to be chatting with entrepreneur, wine aficionado, best-selling and hugely popular uh marketing media guru and genius Gary V to discuss all things about him, his kind of mindset and what his thoughts on social media are. Really excited for this chat um, and kind of how to crush it during this pandemic, which is um, very useful information. Our quote of the day, if you're not dreaming big for yourself, who's doing it for you? And that is by Gary V. I love that. Right? I love that. So good. I mean, when you think about him, he's had this big dream to own the Jets someday. I know my big dream growing up was I was going to be president of the United States. Oh, uh-huh. let's see it, Maria. Yeah. I was going to own, I, I wanted a, a zoo and an aquarium, which, I mean, I guess the pond here could be my aquarium, right? Yeah. And the yeah. zoo are the animals that just live that amongst me. <laughs> or literally here every day. We're your zoo, Maria. <laughs> you deal with us every day. We're doing our <laughs> We're best. Your zoo. Um, us and the snakes. But yeah, I know I grew up wanting to be president, so I was really careful to try to make good choices <laughs> so wow. that I could be president someday. And then I met Kevin and he was like, yeah, no, they'll kill you. And <gasps> I was like, oh, okay. And he kind of like crushed that dream like real fast. <gasps> oh my gosh. That was like, I told you, mine was Disney Channel. Jeff, I wanted to be on Disney Channel and I was going to have a show called It's Me, Kelsey. And then, <laughs> and then in, mm, it was my senior year of high school, Tim Tim told me that I was too old to be on Disney Channel, that I should maybe start looking into being a Disney Channel mom. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Every time you tell me that story, I'm shocked. Oh, In high school, you were told to be a mom. High school? Mm-hmm. I think it was like supposed to be funny about Disney Channel. Haha. <laughs> Not funny, Tim. But it impacted you. It, yes. Just like Kevin impacted you. He just crushed that dream. Mm-hmm. Boom. Stomped it out with his Doc Martin. <laughs> yeah. Right? Dang right. Jeff, what was your big dream? You know... I, I'm having cool, visions think, of hip thrusting and boy bandom, but that's well, just there me. Is some of that. I, don't <laughs> know I, I didn't know I needed, which was to be a cruise ship singer, which uh, for any interested fans, there's stuff on YouTube, you can find it. But without sounding cliche, and I feel like while we're in the mode of inspirational Gary V advice, I'm taking a step back and realizing like, 
I've always wanted to work with influential people with big voices. Oh. And look, look what I'm doing. Whoa. So hey now. it's pretty cool. Hey I know. So I've, it's one of those things where like, if you allow yourself to actually ask what your dreams are and take a step back and think, how can I get there? How can I create that for myself? It can happen. And I actually don't think I've given myself the chance to really celebrate that yet. And I'm doing it right now on your show, Maria. Aww, That's so cool. Really cool. Yes, yeah, I love Jeff conversations with, with thoughtful people. And yeah. like, I mean, one of the coolest parts of my jobs is pre-interviewing all the guests that we get to bring on. So I get my 20 minutes where I can ask people I've wanted to talk to for my whole life, I know. whatever I want. That's Isn't that the coolest cool. thing ever? Like, I yeah. remember, I think it was John Taffer telling me, oh my God, this Gary Vee guy He's insane. He's amazing. Insane in a good way, by the way. Mm. Um, and I forget whether maybe he was going to work with him or something. But I kept hearing about this Gary Vee over the years. And yeah, I mean, we're so blessed that we get to have these conversations with people that we would otherwise only read about. Right? Like my cousin on the beach yes, uh, on, what was it, Labor Day, um, was reading... Um, Untamed by Glennon Glennon. Doyle. And I'm like, oh my God, I just interviewed her on our show. Like, it's so cool. But I mean, to piggyback Jeff too, like, hello, how I have to sometimes like smack myself. I'm like, oh yeah, it's Maria, Maria Menudos. You know, it's like you are such a powerful, strong, like smart, like incredibly talented and have done so much. Like, it's crazy. So we, Jeff and I are so lucky to be able to work with you. But then everyone who listens to the show, it's like, they get the guests, but they also get you, you know? So it's like, I don't know. I find myself kind of like Jeff just said. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm yeah. sitting next to Maria, you know? Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's so. it's it's cool to do what you love. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just grateful for a brain tumor getting me here. What? <laughs> but, like, think about it, right? Like I said, one of the greatest lessons I learned from Tony Robbins was life was happening for you, not to you. Yeah. And so that was my reset. That was my awakening my rebirth and so <clears throat> I get to do things at my pace and I get to do what I love and it's really cool to be able to have these daily conversations with people I mean it's not even any kind of work like literally I get to just follow my curiosity every day and yeah. and help the people that I love and um, it's not just present company it's everybody out there right like you hear me on calls with yeah. people that I'm helping um, yeah. who write into the show and um, I I love all of you guys because I know you're on the same path you mm. want to be better and you want to get better that's why when I'm at a Tony Robbins seminar virtually or in person mm-hmm. I love everyone there because I know we're all the it's same emotional. it's yeah. very emotional to be a part of a group or a community that wants to be better and get better you feel safe and so Um, I'm really grateful that you guys are here with us. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. If you haven't joined us over on Patreon, uh, you can enjoy ad-free content, uh, extra content. We do um, really cool shows there, and we also are starting workshops. So um, workshops and healing events, and we're just starting to kind of dream on on how to make that even cooler. So please join us over there. Um, You can go to my Instagram and click the link tree and you can go right to patreon or right to youtube and subscribe or right to apple Podcasts and subscribe while you're at apple Podcasts, i would greatly appreciate it if you would do me a small favor and leave us a little review um we're trying to get to a thousand so um people can see that we are a valuable resource for them 
Um, I love what you're saying, Maria, just quickly. I, th- I bet we have new fans who are joining us today because, you know, where Gary Vee goes, you reliably follow for good reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you might not think on first glance this would be the show for you, but what Maria does is what Gary does. He's She's all about finding those tools for self-esteem and self-empowerment. And even though your approaches might be slightly different, I promise you, if you're here for the first time, dig deep and find some... I'd start with Ed Milet. I think he's a good next show for you to check out. Oh, but yeah. this... I, there's a lot of the same stuff that Gary preaches in the archives of our show. So hit that subscribe. I really mean it. This mm-hmm. is a show for you, even if you don't know that it is yet. Well, mm-hmm. he's also um, big on health and, you know, you can't do much without your health. And so um, we do a lot of healers and doctors and um, we have the best of the best here where people are going to open up your mind to things you never knew were possible. Like Dr. Eamon teaching us about havening. I'm doing this so often in my day to activate both sides of my brain to shut down the fear and anxiety parts of my brain like there are tips like this and tools that you can apply in your life every day to help you to get better um if you have autoimmune diseases listen to the Alyssa goodman episodes and it's um it's pretty cool so thanks for being with us thanks for joining us um i'm wearing my duck off shirt (laughs) we love okay this is a funny story too jeff you will enjoy we're walking (laughs) through the north end and well first we were driving through the north end in boston on labor day weekend little outing right Mm -hmm. so lovely and maria spots this shirt this shirt is hanging in the window and it says duck off and she's like i need that shirt (laughs) we're like yeah okay and we have like the duck tours in boston it's like our thing and so So, i my head swiveled i was like i need that she needs a shirt we're driving by we're like yeah okay whatever we happen to park somewhat near so then she's determined determined to get this duck off shirt we find the place on the door it says use other door <laughs> there's literally a sign that says use other door so we get up there found the place so excited she's like dang they're closed and we're like maria literally use the, use other, the door. other door and then she I'm got like, her duck off duck off then she got her shirt and it was so happy <laughs> yeah yeah it's the first time i didn't wash a shirt before i used it mm. but it was in a bag so it kind of smelled like a little like food and oh. such it was an odd stench oh, interesting but like boston a little like, like Boston. Boston, yeah. It's yeah, like yeah. home, Maria. Yeah, She's exactly. Home. Um, meanwhile, um, I'm helping Kevin through a renovation on the other coast, which is hilarious. So at night, I'm like researching vanities and all these things. Like he was like, oh, you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. Nice, nice. Um, I've been in dust and dirt. <laughs> and Jeff, you have the privilege of getting to see all of this happen live, but... He's working so hard. I know. It's wild. Yeah. I feel a little it's guilty, been... like I'm ducking off and, and <laughs> you know, we're going to be going apple picking soon and pumpkin picking and all these things. Like, we're actually getting to kind of live here on the weekend. Yeah. Um, Kevin lights up, though, with renovations. He's working so hard, and Kevin will be fine with me saying this. He's the first person to sometimes jokingly complain about stuff, but when I asked him about your other small place in Encino... He was so excited. He lit up with like all the work that's been done over there. So, you know, as hard as Kevin is working, as much as you might jokingly complain about it right now, I do think this is kind of his bread and butter in some ways. Oh, yeah. It makes him so happy. He's like, I just don't want you coming home to a mess. He is so determined. Um, We had to renovate this space for my parents, for my mom and um, we have it took us gosh I mean we've lived here for like 15 years we've been planning this renovation for at least the last five years and then my mom's you know diagnosis kind of threw it off kilter and then 
um, some other stuff that's thrown it off kilter since my tumor and all of that. Mm. And so finally, when I left, he just took a sledgehammer to everything. He's like, we're doing it now. We've got to get it done. And so my bathroom was from like 1991 probably <laughs> and like the tiles were peeling like if you had seen what our master bath looked like I, I might be actually potentially still too embarrassed to show you the before with the after you might just see the after <laughs> um but i feel like everybody in this covid time is doing some variation of an improvement on their home because yeah. we're spending so much time there and so I've been kind of setting up this East Coast headquarters for my mm-hmm. parents. And then we're setting up West Coast headquarters for them because, you know, they're bouncing back and forth. And um, hopefully they'll be able to bounce back this way. That's that's the goal, at least. But um, but yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been funny kind of having to do all of this from this coast. Mm hmm. And you still, it's funny, Jeff, like she'll get calls and she's like, okay, yeah, okay, I'll answer this, blah, blah. But like, actually, can you call my husband who's in the state? I because know. it's really kind of difficult to do some of these things from the other coast. I know, like taking care of my mom. Yeah. Like the caretakers were like, can yeah. I come at 8 tomorrow instead of 8.30? <laughs> and I'm like, or 8.30 instead of 8. And I'm like, uh, yeah, probably, mm-hmm. but I'm not there right now. Yeah. Uh, but you're both killing it, truly. In the meantime, I have to tell you guys about this really cool new um, site that I found that is changing my life. It's called Thrive Market. So you guys know that I'm passionate about health and wellness, but being here in the Connecticut countryside has left me lacking in some of my favorite healthy options until now. So I got to tell you about my recent obsession with Thrive Market, which delivers healthy and organic products right to my front door. It's so cool. So on our show, we talk about getting better in the areas of life and finances and health and wellness and even self-care. And with Thrive Market, I've been able to do all of that. It's like having a Whole Foods delivered directly to my doorstep. So it's been a really cool discovery for me. Thrive's like a farmer's market online featuring only the world's highest quality products from amazing grocery items, pantry staples, and of course, beauty products as well. Personally, I've been loving my triple action fruit and veggie wash so I can clean all those things off when I come home from the market. Um, My Ceylon cinnamon as well as some other things. And with past guests like Dr. Christy Funk imploring the dangers of cancer causing GMOs and additives, I love that Thrive offers me easy, convenient, non-GMO options with a simple click. It's like I'm getting the Whole Foods experience without the price or the hassle of actually having to go, which I love. Thrive Market is also like an upscale Costco because there's a small membership fee, but you get bulk prices on premium upscale items. So that's 25 to 50% off retail. So you actually save an average of $30 on each order. It's amazing, you guys. So if you're a fan of this show, you know how important it is to take your health seriously. We talk about it all the time. And now you can do it on a budget with Thrive Market. So go to thrivemarket.com backslash better together to check it out. Now, by going through my landing page, you of course help us and benefit the show, the company, and most importantly, you benefit yourself. Plus, if you join today, they are going to give you guys a free gift up to $24 in value. So eat healthy, take care of yourself, and thrive with just one click. Okay, one more time. It's thrivemarket.com backslash better together. You guys are going to 
love it. Especially when you live in rural areas like I do where nothing is nearby. And we finally found a place that was like 30 or 40 minutes away. And it was cool the first time. The second time I was annoyed I had to go. And now I found a solution, which is what I'm really good at. And that's Thrive. So um, I just order everything, click, click, click. Just like Amazon made everything easy for us. This one's making it easy for me too to get all my health products. So I'm super excited about it. And I'm super excited to share it with you guys. Okay, so onward to our interview with Mr. Gary V. Of course, he is an entrepreneur, five times New York Times bestselling author, speaker, media marketing guru. Known to his legion of online fans as Gary V, he's widely celebrated for his empowering philosophies around life, growth, crushing it, um, and and all things uh, entrepreneurship and success in this global pandemic. Gary, thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited to chat with you. I've heard about you forever through so many friends, and I've been hooked on all of your videos and I feel like I'm learning so much from you every single day. I feel like I'm in business school um, and just kind of life school. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. There's a lot of kind of crossover because, you know, I'm a daughter of immigrants and, you know, we both kind of share that like love for our parents and wanting to help them. But you started out in a different way by really helping your dad's business. And I was watching a video even this morning of you talking about how you gave so much of your time into that. But what happened was you ended up learning so many things that kind of catapulted you in other areas. Um, and I and I found it fascinating because you were talking about all your friends on Wall Street and how they were killing yes. it and making so much money and how you don't value stuff. And I yes. wonder where that comes from because I feel like when you are uh, an immigrant, you come to this country, you want the American dream. And the American dream technically also involves stuff. stuff. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You know, and, I, and I'm a Russian immigrant and Russians, you know, stereotypes have some underlining truths. Like Russians are not the least flashy. With, you know, <laughs> like, you know, m- m- when I think about my uncles and aunts and, you know, in all these cultures, they're not really your uncles and aunts, they're just like some people your parents knew back in the old country. You know, they did gravitate, especially the Brighton Beach, Brooklyn crowd, that that I, I grew up in New Jersey, but a lot of the Russian immigrants lived in Brooklyn and Queens, and the majority of my parents' friends did rush to, as quickly as possible, buying a BMW mm-hmm. or a gold chain or going on a fancy vacation. So, you know, to me, the answer to your question is, much more specific to the fact that my parents didn't value stuff. My parents didn't, they valued saving money for a rainy day and being thrifty more than my mom. I mean, my mom never gravitated towards a new pair of shoes or like she was just such a humble quote unquote girl. Um, And my dad literally bought nothing. He just worked all the time and saved money and so, you know, they, they, if they bought something, it was a new home or invested into their business. And so the simplicity of their framework, much like many of us, trickles down from what you're around. And I was in a lower middle-class blue-collar neighborhood. So I didn't see anybody else 
go Mercedes'd out or you know chained out. And my parents weren't that person. And then when they kind of made it a little bit further along in their lives in America, we moved to Hunterdon County, New Jersey, which is very rural, you know, much more hunting and farmers. And you know, there a good pickup truck was the luxury. Not again. So, you know, basically between really Soviet Russia, which is real humble, makes ghettos look fancy um, in America, and and then Queen Studio Apartments, then lower middle class Edison, New Jersey, and then Hunterdon County Country, and then college was Mount Ida College, which was below community college status because I was a terrible student, very entrepreneured out, but I promised my parents I'd go and I just randomly replied to a postcard and went to this college. Stop it, I didn't know that. that. And 90% of that school was on financial welfare and very much from low income situations, very, you know, very kind of like, you know, city, minority, financial aid or get the kid out of school. So I basically lived my life not, I mean, I was 22 years old, lived in New Jersey my whole life and didn't even know the Hamptons existed. Didn't, Maria, when I tell I need you to actually understand what kind of cocoon I lived in. Don't forget there was no internet. So you got what you got on TV and you got into what you spent your time on. I was 22 years old, had lived in New Jersey my and New York my whole life and had never heard the word the Hamptons. So I think that that's how I became that person. That's how I am that person. How do you kind of reconcile that with the level of success you've had? Like, so that's who you are, but yes, when you succeed, you get nice things. And so how do you kind of handle that, I wonder? Um, Many different ways. One, One, you go through, I mean, I for a long time would not fly first class, then you make that decision. Then for a long time, I would make stupid decisions in hindsight to not go private when the math of the situation made sense to go private because I was romantic about staying to my roots, mm-hmm. right? So you go, you go through this part where you, let me phrase, I went through this part where even to this day, I, I feel much more comfortable in my dirt than I do in my penthouse. You know, I, I, I'm humbled, appreciate, and enjoy convenience from amassing wealth. Mm-hmm. So the convenience part I'm very big on. Like, you know, being able to have somebody, you know, a black car service or Uber or have somebody drive you for if you're at the Super Bowl for four days to be efficient with your logistics. If it's buying time, mm-hmm. I'm very into fancy mood because the time is valuable. But I still have no affinity towards stuff. I have no feelings towards clothes, art, cars, homes. They, they don't even register as, I would argue I don't like them. So funny. My husband's the same way. He still wears his Levi's, his black t-shirts. He's got his pickup truck. And he just is like, I'm never going to lose if I stay where I am. Like I'm always. And for for me, and for me, it's freedom. Mm. For me, I don't want the stuff. I want to be able to wake up today 
And if I decide I want to do this, I want to be able to do it. And if I don't have the financial means to do that, that would be the one thing stopping me. Um, But I'll tell you something else that I think a lot about that might help somebody listening that doesn't get talked about enough. When I hear you say that about your husband, it makes me think of my dad who plays the same card. I, on the other hand, have a little bit of a different variation, which is I'm not scared to have to sell my home and rent an apartment or, or bring in my Range Rover lease and get a Toyota lease. I'm not scared of going backwards on things. I'm scared of going backwards on options to do something I want to do. Mm. And so I think what's a huge thing that I see from people is they couldn't imagine living life without their nanny, even though the three years before they had a nanny, you know, some people start with a nanny, some get it later. Like I'm just going very high net worth circles I run in. They, you get very accustomed to things that you didn't even know you needed prior to having them. And I think having the stomach, AKA the self-confidence and the humility to be able to give up something of luxury because you're required to is the mental block that most people struggle with. I think a lot of people struggle with going backwards. My father does for sure. My dad doesn't want to go backwards. That seems so devastating to him. And to me, if this Gary B character that has the honor of people like yourself interested in having them on the podcast and getting paid to speak and building companies, if I make six wrong turns and that requires me to take a step back, be out of the limelight, put back, and it's not even put back, only have my lunch pail and hard hat and build back up, in a weird way, that's romantic to me. Whereas I think what I've learned is, ooh, that's a unique trait I have because a lot of my contemporaries really are devastated with the idea of giving up their beach house or, yeah. or not flying pri- private or first class or, or not taking Ubers but having to drive themselves or not being able to afford $19 drinks you know, as a coffee or a juice every day and I think people struggle with the step back and for me I think the thing that keeps me aggressive and going for it is the lack of fear of the step back because I can deal with having little and I don't care what people think about my losses because I view them as my own losses and other people's opinions on them though I understand them because we all do it to anybody that's got any notoriety I'm not affected by them because the reality is it's a passing thought. Every opinion we have on people in the public eye, we have a 48 hour, 72 hour thought about it, and then we just move on to the next thing. And so I can't be crippled by millions of people saying, I told you he was full of shit and not good. Mm. See, you know, cause there's a lot of people who are very big advocates of my work and there's other people who are cynical to it. And I can, you know, to me, the worst case scenario is somebody who's cheering for me and believes in me. If I fail, they are now told by their grandfather who's like, see, I told you that guy was a slickster and a fast talking East Coast guy. And then them feeling bad. For me, I can't worry about that feedback because I'm not living for anybody else's opinions or thoughts other than my own about myself. 
How do you get there, though? Because I feel like, at least in my culture, in the Greek culture, that's all anybody cared about. My parents were like, what are the people at the church going to say? What are the people in the community going to say? Like, everybody was crippled by what everybody else was going to say. So there's a lot of deprogramming that I have to do to not care because I've been raised to care so much. I would think that your culture was very similar. Um, It was. I, again, I give a tremendous amount of credit to my parents because... I fell into that cocoon, which is a little different. But then, listen, I had other people in my life that were very much that way, close relatives, even grandmother, who I think valued other people's opinions too much. Um, I think it's practice. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's, I, I think that we have crossed the chasm in the last 20 years that we as a culture understand that eating smartly and going and doing physical activity and going to the gym will translate into you physically looking better. And I do not believe, even though thank God in the last five to 10 years, there's been a much better conversation around mental health and the mind. I believe we're more in the Richard Simmons, Jack LaLanne, Gold's Gym era on mental mm-hmm. health and mental offense and and how do we get into these places i think we're in the same place that physical fitness and health was in the Mm -hmm. 80s i think in 2020 that's where we are with the mind and i'm happy because god willing 20 years from now when i'm 64 i think i'm going to be walking around the streets and being excited because i think people are going to subscribe to some of the things that i've lived and have and have seen enormous happiness in me and others that can get there an enormous unhappiness in those who are on the complete upper side of this. So I think it's practice. I think it's working out. I think it's therapy. I think it's consuming content. The biggest reason that I put out content on this subject matter is I can put out content on what to do tactically on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and podcasts. And I do a lot of that and people value that in me. Getting to a place where you understand that you're accountable for your happiness, which means having tough conversations with yourself about your reliance on your parents and others to give you the freedom to not have to worry about other people's blueprint Mm -hmm. is an extreme challenge for all of us because first of all, it speaks to, it's really fun to say, I'm not gonna listen to my parents. It's really not fun to say everything that is happening to me is my fault and I can't take money from my parents anymore because that gives them leverage and I can't do this, that, and the other thing. So we love to point the pink finger to society and our parents why it's their fault. We hate to look in the mirror mm-hmm. and, and have accountability and we need to acknowledge both to get to start the chess moves to get into a place of happiness. So I think it's about consuming content and, and reinforcing those words in your mind of this is an actual truth in society. Well, it's interesting because social media is is such a driving force behind that. Like you want likes, you want people to like you. Other people's opinion of you matters. Social media is the in-your-face version of something that was always true, right? Like the mom in the neighborhood that right now cares about how many likes she gets in her warm-up clothes on Instagram, or the dad who cared about 
those things prior to social media and that's why he bought a BMW when he couldn't afford it. We're the same human, it's just we are focused on social because it's such a big part of our society now. But there are an unbelievable amount of people that are very capable of dealing with having social media accounts and there's a far bigger percentage of people that cannot, but they were the same people that would do anything to get into the country club in town. Mm. They were the same people that would try to get into the inner mean girls mom circle at the PTA because that was fitting in. I think that social media has just physically shown us and exposed our insecurities. I don't think it's fed into us being those people. That's interesting. I think that it's a reflection of something that has always happened. And people say, well, it, it, it makes young girls look in, I love this combo now. Social media is unhealthy. It's giving young girls unrealistic you know, views of what they should look like. And I'm like, and, and I'm talking to 45 year old parents and I say to them, wasn't this the same combo we were told about with Kate Moss? And like, like, like if people don't understand, humans are gonna look at something. So, you know, Farrah Fawcett seemed pretty unrealistic too. You know, and so did Pamela Anderson, and so did Bo Derek, and so did Kate Moss, and so did Sidney Crawford. And so, you know, right now we're going through this enormous era of blaming the medium instead of the humans that are filling it and receiving it. Yeah. Yeah, we're always looking for the devil, whatever that new devil is, because in our day, it was magazines, airbrushing and photoshopping. And then you had celebrities that at some point picked up kind of the social justice, like, we don't want this. But then they started doing it on Instagram themselves. (laughs) So they were mad at the magazines for doing it, but now they're doing it to themselves. So it's 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 one big game of self-esteem. I think the greatest job of a parent or a leader a CEO, a manager, a counselor, is to find a way to build self-esteem without crossing into delusion. Mm. And so we, we, we recognized self-esteem's importance, but over the last 15 years, we went too far and started giving out eighth place trophies and demonizing merit. And so unfortunately, we're in this place where we're struggling to find balance. We, but self-esteem is the ultimate drug in our society and it is the only thing I think about in, in how I wanna communicate from my children to a passive person that consumes one piece of my content ever in their lives. How do I create a conversation around the tr- merit of what happens, accountability, but also self-love and knowing that you're enough, you just might not be great at everything. So how do you get the self-awareness um, and how do you get comfortable with winning and losing? Yeah, how did you get comfortable with that? I got comfortable with it because I'm a product of the 80s raised by an immigrant mother and basically you get thrown outside and you play for 15 hours and then you come back in and the world taught me it. You know, right now we live in a world where kids don't go outside. Parents are just in kids' shit. And they're micromanaging at a level we've never seen before. And so for me, I was a product of, when I lost, I just lost. There was no like, there was no parent running to the coaches to debate. There was no system created for not keeping score. 
Um, and so you just kind of got used to it. And by the way, I cried. I basically stayed crying from seven to 14 years old because, <laughs> because I was so competitive. <laughs> I mean, listen, this is a, it's, a state, it's a statement that gets Hilarious. the snorts, so I'm glad you gave me one. <laughs> like, like, I cried an ungodly amount working through my own knee. You know, I was so competitive. I loved competing. And I, I hated losing to the point of crying, but I didn't think losing meant that I was a loser. Yeah, you just wanted to win that bad. And I just wanted to do it again and again and again. Like I couldn't wait to get back on the horse. And what I see, even in my own children, is a fear of even playing at times yeah. because they don't want to lose. And to me, losing is, is attractive and foundational. And I would argue one's relationship with losing is actually the most interesting indicator to their level of happiness. Because I think people that try to disguise or, sh- or are ashamed of their losses tend to live very unhappy lives. Yeah. And, and, and I think oftentimes manifests into very not fun people because they're looking to make company out of their misery and they're tearing other people down. Wow. Yeah. That's hilarious. I cried every day. <laughs> um, you know, there are a lot of people who um, in this moment and well, I mean, it's kind of been the whole year, but with COVID who um, who are feeling that that loss and um, who are afraid of starting something new. So they might be just kind of in that place of just complaining. And I wonder how do you guide people in this moment um, to get back on the horse? And is there a horse that's best to jump on right now? Well, I think I think one thing that I try to remind a lot of friends is there is actually no choice. You know, like, you know, when, when, when people get into a dwell fest with me that I love, you know, I, you know, after trying to be consoling and soft, cause I have a lot of those characteristics in me along with the candor and the Jersey, um, you know, at some point in the conversation, I switch into, okay, wait, let's just take a step back. I've thrown out 49 solutions. You've said no to all of them. Why don't we play the reverse? Like, so what are you saying? You're just going to lay on your couch for the rest of your life and cry? Like, like, help me understand why these 12 things that I just laid out as viable options of how to restart because you've lost your business. Like, this is back, Marie, it's really funny. This is full circle in this interview. This is why we have to make going backwards a honor and something we respect in people, not something that people are ashamed of. Because right now, a lot of people would rather not get a job Mm -hmm. because their startup or business went out of business because their identity was wrapped up in being an entrepreneur or being successful. And they just don't have the humility to go get a job and save for four years and restart again as if they were entitled to have an easy life. I don't get it. Like I remind people like, you know, there was a lot of third generation businesses in Germany that got knocked out. 
you know, Cuba and Russia had communist regimes. Just, you know, like, you're not guaranteed or entitled to anything. Like, you know, it's really unfortunate that COVID happened. Um, but then I go into these weird scenarios. I, I told one friend the other day, it really helped him. He was all dwelling and I said, you know, COVID. And then I said, you know what? Let me play it a different way. You do understand that there's a chance that COVID saved your life. This guy travels a lot. I said, what if instead of COVID, you were in Hong Kong crossing the street and got hit by a car? That could have happened. And then I said, which is what got him because he was a huge fan. I said, brother, you do realize that if COVID started six weeks earlier, Kobe Bryant would be alive probably for the next 50 years. And like, the, you could feel the like wind go out of his stomach. And he's like, my God. Oh my God. That's I didn't true. Think of that. <gasps> and it was something in the way that I delivered that to him that really got him. And all of a sudden, it just kind of got him into a mindset of like, yeah, this sucks. My startup's dead. And this sucks that I have to go get this job. But that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be thankful for the next two years. And I'm going to work hard. And I'm going to, if I want to do it again, I'll do it again. That's better than not being alive. And I just think people need a, re, a perspective shift. As far as to where, I mean, the answer is the internet. I mean, the internet is free. Like TikTok and Facebook and LinkedIn and these things are free. Like, And it's can, not covetable. <laughs> exactly right. Like, so th- and this is why I spend my life communicating on these two things. The mindset to be grateful at all times. Gratitude is the absolute foundation to happiness. And then, and that's, you know, I always think of it as like, how do I sit in a place that honors my great grandmother and my great granddaughter, right? Which is how do I stay true to tried and true things like gratitude and kindness and hard work and accountability? And then how do I be the most progressive communicator and the best at using TikTok and LinkedIn and, and podcasts and AI? And, and that's kind of where I find myself in those two edges, the old school and new school. I call it the Flintstones and the Jetsons. How do I stay in the Flintstones and the Jetsons at all times? If I do, I'll find a great balance. And I think that's what I've been able to find. Yeah, very successfully. Um, do you have any thoughts on the future of social media? You know, there's there's obviously been talk about TikTok being banned. Um, Twitter's almost been dead a million times, we all f- have thought. Where is social media going, in your opinion? Humans will communicate with humans until there are no humans. It's an inherent... DNA trait of the human being. We desperately need to interact with each other. It is the wiring of our souls and our brains. So to remind everybody, before the word social media existed, for us old cats in here, you know, it was AOL Instant Messenger, right? What's the difference? And before that, it was pen pals, Gary. That's right. I still have my pen pal letters in the vault right behind here. That's right. And before that, (laughs) people literally went on a mountain and made smoke signals so other people could understand what they were saying yeah. and drawing in caves. You, you know, social media right now, <clears throat> for a million different reasons, mainly political and human insecurity and where we are as a society, we're demonizing it. The way we demonized rock and roll and the Beatles and Elvis and rappers, but it is not the crux of the issue. 
if every social network was banned, if the concept of social networks were banned tomorrow, everybody would go into bulletin boards or would text each other if that was allowed. It is not humans flexing, posturing, hitting, I mean like flirting on e- with each other, um, uh, genuinely enjoying a debate or a conversation, having a hot take on who their favorite wrestler or football player is, that will always happen. And it will happen no matter what tool you try to take away from people. So. My prediction on social networks is this. At some point along the way, the term will evolve. There'll be some technology, whether it's an Alexa skill, whether in 20 years it's a VR, you know, a VR infrastructure built on clear contact lenses that let us live in a new world. Eventually, just like social media and the internet came along, something will come along that will be even better, quicker, faster, easier, more native for us to communicate with each other. And then social networks will feel like writing a letter. And, and then we'll have people who are 19 today when they're 84 say things like, ah, these kids. I remember in my day, we would just, it was just simple pictures and videos on Instagram. Now they're living in these eggshells 24 hours a day and all they do is live in this virtual reality world. They don't even get any oxygen. They just have oxygen plugged into their throat and that will be demonized. So for me, this is just human evolution. Um, The older you are normally, not always, the more romantic you get about the past. Mm -hmm. um, And the more conservative you get with your beliefs because people get older, more fearful, fear, lends itself to closed minds. So this is something that's been going on for hundreds of years. People always give me a lot of credit for predicting things. Mm -hmm. I always laugh because I was a terrible student, but there was only one class I would crush and that was history and social studies. And I never understood why, but about five years ago, I'm like, ah, this is why. I'm an anthropologist, I'm a psychologist. I'm a people figure outable kind of guy. And so I think that what is I'll give you an example, Maria, that I think a lot of people here will understand. I remember when Miley Cyrus got all those headlines for her, you know, VMA act seven years ago, eight years Wrecking ago, whatever ball. this was now. Yep. And I remember at the time on Twitter. Oh no, it was the, the um, it was the guy. It was her twerking, Robin not wrecking Thick. ball. Yep. Yeah, it was Robin yep. Thicke. Sorry. No worries. And and I remember debating, conversating, and sharing online that in ten years. We're gonna look at that performance the way we looked at Madonna's wedding dress and the way we looked at Elvis. And sure enough, it didn't even take that long. I mean, the most basic 16-year-old girl doing anything on TikTok is already much more sexified than, than that performance by Miley. And so- Old people are twerking now. (laughs) on tiktok that's right and so i think that this is just the same thing round and round and so you know people are asking for censor the people that i know that you know i'm a russian immigrant i have friends who believe in the constitution and america and freedom more than anything on earth 
and in their actual words when it comes to social media are looking for heavy levels of censorship and everything that dictators and fascists like. So I think we need to be very careful in demonizing the platforms because as a society, what that will do is actually allow for us to go down a slippery slope of things that people don't want to happen. They don't realize that censoring something means censoring everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I just have no interest in playing God. And I'm fascinated how hundreds of millions of Americans right now are on such tilt emotionally that everyone has decided that their opinion is right. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's I the mean, toughest part about everything right now is there's just no space, right? There's no space for compromise. And, um, and that's what leads to the level of anxiety that I think all of us feel and people are really struggling. And I think a lot of people are coming, and by the way, and I'll say this to not even be around the bush, I believe that there are people with conservative Republican views and liberal Democratic views that are, I believe that a stunning percentage are nice people. And unfortunately, everyone is subconsciously, if not consciously, bunkering into us versus them, mm -hmm. which is always the least healthy place to be. And I, I have a lot of hope that there'll be an event, whatever that may be, hopefully not a negative one, but oftentimes historically it's been that, that there'll be an event that kind of spooks everybody into kind of trying to come back to a little bit more of like empathy and respect of different people's points of view and not taking the extremist view that if you've got a conservative point of view, that doesn't mean you're a racist. And if you've got a liberal point of view, it doesn't mean you're a socialist. And we've gotten into that name calling. And we're, right now we're in third grade mode and I'd like to be one of the voices that helps get us out of it. Yeah. But it's gonna take tens of millions, not just one. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about how overwhelming it feels because you just don't feel like there's a solution in sight, right? You know, I love solving problems and I I feel like I'm pretty good at it and this one is just so overwhelming. It just wears it's on also, me. It's also historical. We've had these moments and you just kind of, you know, these things tend to be bigger than the individual. Like to your point, I, I love all those things too. I'm very solution oriented and like very empathetic. Really, I am. I mean, I need my winery empathy. Like I believe in it the most. And, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of pent up resentment for a lot of humans. And I, and, I, and I think that it's manifesting in a lot of ugly ways. And, you know, sometimes you need to throw up to kind of like, you know, yeah. wake up the next day. And like, you know, I think, you know, my great hope is that this isn't, you know, a mature empire in its final days of tearing itself apart. My, my hope is that it's a good kid that decided to go on a binger in college throw up the next day, have one day at school, like have a weekend where they just laid in bed and drank soda all day to, or Gatorade and like kind of restarted on Monday. And, and that's my hope. My hope is that we gradually drank a little bit more and more and more until we had one bad, bad, bad night in college and we needed a reset. So I hope we throw up here a little bit and then mm -hmm. kind of reset. I love that. I have to ask you before I let you go. Yes. First of all, for anybody who's listening, um, you can go to Gary's YouTube 
and you can get all the answers to the questions that I normally would ask, but he has everywhere for you. Mm. You know, I've watched the videos on you need to put 64 pieces of content out there. By the way, we have a lot of questions for you so in our lives. Why, and why, I'm, why, why don't we do this? Why don't, you know what? I'm, I just texted my next meeting. Why don't we do 10 minutes of rapid fire? I'll try to keep it tight. Damn, Ooh. okay, cool. Well, yes. I wanna just, Preemptively, thank you because I heard that you were going to give us some time and another moment scheduled to help us. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, And so, you know, there's so many things. But before I get to that, we'll do the rapid fire. I have to ask you this one thing I didn't find an answer to because I'm more interested in you right now because you get asked all of these marketing questions and entrepreneurial questions all the time. And we have those answers. But you are fascinated with owning the Jets. As yes. a Patriots fan, I, you know, I appreciate your <laughs> fandom. Um, sorry, but uh... <laughs> fair enough. You've had, it, you've had it so good. Like, there's very few times I get I have to be quiet. One of them is always in any yeah. debate with a Patriots fan. It's been so lopsided that I just have to bite my tongue. So go ahead. I die. I am, by the way, the psychoest Patriots fan ever. <laughs> I believe that I helped talk Tom Brady through that win against the Falcons. <laughs> By telepathic. I swear to God, Gary, I'll tell you in another time. My husband wouldn't let me leave to go pee because I was doing it. Telepathic. Telepathically talking to him. Anyhow. Amazing. Um, and so anyhow, uh, you want to buy the Jets. Yes. So I I don't understand why you want to buy the Jets outside of like your your love yep. for them. Like there's got to be a bigger why than just your love, right? Because I love Dunkin' Donuts and I wanted to yep. open the first Dunkin' Donuts in LA and then I realized yep. I don't have time to manage plumbing issues and all yep. that stuff. So I <laughs> abandoned that idea. Um, you, The why and the what, like I want to know what you're going to do with it. That's different. So Other than winning. Why, <laughs> yeah, let me give you my, let me give you my, best, my best guess here. My, my guess, first of all, I kind of, announced it somewhere in third grade in 1985, 86, 84. Like that's when it kind of like became a thing. Wow. It would be something I would say as early as that. And and I think I never really understood it. I didn't know if it was like a fourth grade flex. And I knew at that point I wanted to be a businessman, but I don't think I understood. I didn't make those connections. I think that I, so I was born in the Soviet Union. There is no lineage of fandom in my family. I established it all, you know. My parents didn't watch sports. So the Jets represented early American dream stuff for me, right? It's kind of when I started feeling like I was fitting in. Mm-hmm. I like the Jets, my friends in the neighborhood like the Jets. But I was also poor and so my friends were a little bit further along than my family at that time. And then obviously, kudos to my parents, we kind of excelled during American dream, but they, I, the bottom line was, even if we had the money, my mom was not gonna buy me a Jets jersey, so she knitted me this Jets jersey that I would wear like every day. It became a romantic story for me. It built momentum. And then, I, I basically think now, it's the combination of two energies, one, it is this warm, deep grounded feeling of what is safe and good for me about America represented in the thing that represented it for me because we came from such turmoil. Two, I love the process. And I think in hindsight, even at that young of an age, 
there was probably something in my DNA that understood that if I made an extraordinarily big goal, that I would enjoy chasing it, maybe even more than getting it. Mm-hmm. And so I am absolutely a thrill of the hunt boy. Even like later, like even thinking back to like my adolescence with like girls, even like the 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 process more than like getting a girlfriend, like like the trying to get one or them courting me. Like I love process, and so. Um, I think it's the pro, it's the journey and the romance. It's a story. And I think um, I've been captivated by that story within my own mind basically my whole life. So cool. The wh- what is the most fun because the Jets unfortunately have been pretty unsuccessful. And, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and your favorite team was in the same exact boat until an owner came along. Yep that instilled a culture, mm-hmm. an operational functionality that led to better results. I, I, as a bitter Jets fan, think a lot of luck because you know, obviously your saving Saint was drafted in the sixth round and you know, that is awfully remarkable uh, for that to play out the way it did. <laughs> for the best football player of all time or, or the second best if I wanna make myself feel better with Jerry Rice to be a six round pick it's pretty unusual. Um, so, yeah. but but I, as much as I like to razz, I think it's the culture yeah. from the top that in, in unbelievably creates an opportunity for something like that to actually even happen there and flourish there. And so that's my plan. My plan is in 20, 25 years, which is when I feel like I'll be ready financially, emotionally, like I feel like that's the time frame. Um, then, you know, that's my hope. My hope is that 68-year-old me starts the process of building a 25-year run that wins a Super Bowl. And to me, you know, as a fan who's watched every single play of a game since 1982, every play, every wow. game, I, this is my true escapism. It's my true temple. Is my true, like, it's the one place that I'm not rational. <laughs> I get I it. Too, I mean, Ray, I have two children and the, the, and the, literally the greatest day of my life was winning that playoff game in Foxborough in 2011. Uh-huh. You know, like- I believe like, it. I mean, because we lost to you guys seven weeks earlier on Monday Night Football, uh-huh. 45 to three. So I thought I was, I remember driving up the New Jersey, the, the 95 to Foxborough as if I was going to my funeral. <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't even think we would be within 20 points to win that game. So like, that's the one place I'm irrational. I once, I, just to use this as a therapy session, I once <laughs> hip checked, literally hip checked a 12, I'm a nice person, but I hip checked a 12 year old boy wearing a Tom Brady jersey that was what? walking oh by me. God. Yes, and the father turns around who was at least two times my size and had a face that wanted to fight. And I immediately said, what are you gonna do? Like I it was interested in fighting, I really am irrational when oh it comes to Jets football. God, I so I, 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 you know, it's funny. My take on politics is, oh my God, the way that I'm irrational mm-hmm. in sports is how people are irrational in our actual lives. Yeah, but that actually matters. Like sports and in, in the correct in, in the real like. Correct. Grand scheme of things, sports doesn't matter. I've had this conversation is, with Seth MacFarlane the, so many which times. Is why, by the way, which is why we need to be rational in politics. 
Yeah. I think irrationality in sports is far healthier than, like I generally, like it is true that I can't like you as a person to the heights that I'd like to because of your Patriots fandom. And that, is, that is real talk. That is real talk right now. That's hilarious. To me, to me, to me, I do not feel the same way about people's points of view on society. Though I, there's some takes that are unacceptable, obviously, to me. But so it's just a very interesting thing. And I think it's become a very romantic story. It's, same reason I think I love, and I know we share this, wrestling. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same reason I love Star Wars. I'm in for a good story. Yep. I think they're very powerful. They can teach. They can help you escape from your you know, tough, true day-to-day challenges in real life stuff. Totally. And, and, I, <laughs> and I think I've created my own story to go from a place of not being able to afford a jersey for yourself of your favorite player to owning the team outright feels awfully romantic. Yeah, I love it. You're gonna do it. It's just, it's um, it's that kind of like almost unhealthy, psychotic pursuit of something that actually makes it happen, right? So you're you're definitely going to. Um, I share your irrationalities. I share your enthusiasm. I sweat and burn calories as if I'm playing in a game. <laughs> People. You really have to like like me to watch a game with me. I am insane and I get into the psychology. So I can tap into people and I know whether they're gonna be okay in this game or not. Like my husband will ask me before a game, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, I just felt a vibe from him when he walked on the field and he's just, <laughs> he's not confident. And so like, I'll know. I, I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it. I have. I have made decisions on first round draft picks on on a five minute interaction within their first three months on the team. And when I tell you seven out of 10, eight out of 10, because there's, because humans are actually simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I talk to people for a living. So I know people very well. So I can I see these little things like I'm psycho I, and I'm a psycho Celtics fan too. So I remember there was a player, um, big baby. We went to summer league from yep. the first summer league we were at in Vegas and we went yep. every year. We were the nerds that were there before it was yep. cool. And big baby came out and he had his headphones and he was being all like showboaty and fun. And I just grabbed coach and I go, he's not taking this seriously. This is his moment to to show you why you should put you know put him on the team or whatever. I'm like he's not taking this seriously. Like Larry would never do this. And like I'm going off and he's looking at me and I'm like I know I'm crazy. Sorry, but then you know you see what plays out with people, and um, and sports is the greatest reality show in the world. And it's it's well, how we live our lives every day. Me and my house with sports references, and 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 all of the things that surround sports, the the theories and the thoughts and... Um... Well, what's great about sports, even more than capitalism, is you can't hide. Yeah. You can't, like, it plays out. That's a good point. Like, in Never thought parenthood, about it like that. In, even with business, using politicians to, like, change rules, mm-hmm. you, like, like, the reason everyone's so emotional about politics is people change rules to help to change to manipulate the sports rules are the rules it's the reason we get so crazy about refs they're the one variable that feels more like 
not merit, but the merit of sport, and it's, by the way, it's why I love fighting. It's the reason I love UFC and boxing so much is not because of its brutality. I would argue that, you know, I'm not even actually interested in that part. I'm interested in the psychology and science of just no place to hide. Yeah. It's why I love being a leader. Like when I, when I address Vayner X, all my companies, literally on anything, on, on you know, our, our ratios on race and, and female employees, on our profitability, on the clients we chose not to work with, on a thing I said in the Wall Street Journal, on, I, I let everybody know this is 100% my fault. Every single product. Like if, uh, if we have a problem in a company or in a division, well, I hired the person that made that decision or hired the person that hired the person. So for me, I love 100% accountability. And I think we're living through an era where everybody wants to point a finger on anybody but themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, here's the thing, like, everybody has that one thing, right? And for you, the reason you're fearless and you're confident, I feel like, is because you love the process. So if you don't love the process, that's why you're gonna be afraid to go backwards. Like, And by the way, and by the way, I respect the process. To me, if I lose, I lost. Yeah. Here's a really good story back to how powerful parenting is. I recall having a bat, I was very good at baseball in second, third, and fourth grade before size, speed, and power mattered. When it was just hand-eye coordination. Dead, Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, once actual athleticism and like other variables, but from second to fourth grade, when it was on hand-eye coordination and depth of knowledge of even the sport itself, well, I dom, I mean, I probably had four unassisted triple plays in second grade, because I just knew the sport so much better than everybody else. And and I have, to this day, darts, pool, all those little games, you know, cornhole, like I have very strong hand-eye coordination. So I was dominant. I remember having this really, and this will be fun, if anybody can find John Longo, he grew up in Edison, New Jersey in the 80s. This kid, John Longo, struck me out multiple times in a game. And I'm telling you, I batted like 850 that year. I mean, I was always on base. I didn't have power but I had, I really could play. And I had a really bad day and I remember being, I cry, remember back to what I said, crying, mm-hmm. came off the field crying, cause we lost, which was rare. They were the Cougars. We were ironically the Jets, but we were in red. So that was fun to begin with. That's why that team was destined to be good for me. Um, <laughs> we go in the car, I start crying in my mom's car. I'll never forget this. And I remember, I don't remember the words, but I remember the feeling very vividly for the sake of argument, I think I was trying to blame it on the sun being in my eye. I remember going in for the excuse. And when I tell you, and again, this is why it's fun to tell this story. I don't even remember what my mom said. I don't remember what she said. I remember, right now I can feel it, right? Mm. I can feel there being no room for excuses. Yeah. And not like a scary, like Todd Marinovich, you know, like wrote, you know, like parent that like made me try to be baseball. Like none of that bull crap that parents do. No, no, just the merit of the situation. You, no, no, there wasn't the sun. It wasn't the batting lineup. It was John Longo overpowered you, and you were unable to get the bat around fast enough because we. This, he ate a lot of pizza. 
Now I'm, now I'm razzing him because I'm upset. He overpowered me. He was a big kid. Yeah. And, and my mom made me realize, and I, I'm not sure how many other times she ever had to do it, but I think excuses were poison in my mm. household. And excuses are being thrown around like they're nothing in contemporary society. And I think it's led to a lot of unhappiness. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I just marked that down. That's a, a great moment. I think we all easily can default to excuses. I had a moment, um, I took Tony Robbins' business mastery class recently. And one of the things that I was meditating on, I was like, no, no more excuses. No more like, excuses. It's, it's, it's so exhausting. And I remind people who are listening, being accountable doesn't mean that there aren't systematic process, problems in society. It just means, what are you actually gonna do about it? Because yelling about it on Twitter or over a beer or six beers, you know, is, you know, <laughs> I tell people, normally you'll find yourself spending your time complaining with somebody else that's losing. Yep. Pay attention to your audience in your complaining. It's somebody else who's complaining. And I think find friends and outlets that look for solutions and accountability. I, I would argue that me being accountable for my every mistake, big and small, has led to my general happiness. I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to say it. Well, because you can release it like that. Otherwise, it's all inside and it's stored. But and you're trying to trick people that it's not you. But yeah. I always tell people, I'd rather, I'd rather not a lot of people end up living life tricking the 97% and looking like a fool to the three smart percent. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want that. I don't want to trick the 97%. I want to be, I want to be respected by my, first of all, I want to respect myself. That's it. All right. I'm super over. I'm like super late for another meeting. I, um, thank you so much. Um, and this was awesome. Like, thank you for your time. Thank you for what you share with everybody. Um, like I said, By the way, I'm, I'm having so much fun. I have an idea. I've yeah. never done this before. Okay. Why don't you get feedback from this episode and why don't we do another 20 or 30 minute version part two where we just go, cause we went very macro. Yeah. Why don't we do part two, the micro? Why don't we just do okay. a rapid fire 25 minute show of Q and A? Yeah, we'll find out what our people awesome. want exactly. I love it, and thank you. And you too, cause I sound like you have some stuff. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, for sure. Awesome. Thank you to your team, it was awesome. Thank, thank you, you Gary. Thank you, Gary. Bye everyone. If you want more info on Gary V, you can subscribe to his YouTube channel, Gary V. Um, V-E-E. -E. We'll put the link in the summary of this as well for self-help and brand building advice. Also, his podcasts and upcoming events can be found at GaryVaynerchuk.com. We will also put that in the summary of this. So cool. Oh my gosh. Yay. So, wow! He's so awesome. So much. There's just so much in there. I right? Know. Like, it's funny because it's, I, I, I never know what I'm going to do with somebody. And... I just felt like I wanted to know him more yeah, and his psychology and his makeup rather than, okay, 64 pieces of content. What if you, you know, all the nitty gritties about all that stuff because it's all out there. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to ask him more about what's out there because when you start to ask somebody about themselves, you're going to learn so much about what makes them tick and what makes them successful because I do feel like 
you have to find what that thing is in you, right? Like I like making things better. We've talked yep. about that, right? Yep. You like making things better. I like solving things. I love helping people. Once you know those few little nuggets about yourself, then um, it unlocks a lot. Like for him, I realized really quickly, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He likes the process. That's why he's not afraid to fail That's because it. he's like, oh cool, I get to build the blocks up again. When the rest of us are like, shit, yeah. it took so long and it was so yeah. hard to build these blocks. I, I, I can't, I can't. And but, he respects it. I yeah, loved that. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, I like to I like to know those things because mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I need a little more of that. Like I am yep. trying to always collect things that, you know, fill the little cups inside of me that aren't totally full, right? Like I have the ones that are like overflowing and yep. I have yep. the ones that like need a little bit more. So I, I need a little of that. Oh, and that's why I always say to people, your peer group is so important. Who are you spending your time with? Look at what he said. You know, if you're complaining, chances are you're talking to someone else who's you know, complaining and negative and whatever. And you guys are just going to sit there and commiserate. And Kevin talks about it being the guy on the bar stool. Like, yeah. you know, it, it it's like you're always going to find someone on the bar stool next to you to complain to. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you have a Gary Vee in your life, do you think you're going to sit there? Do you really <laughs> think that I'm going to go sit next to Gary Vee and start complaining about shit? Heck no. He's going to walk the fuck away. Yeah. Yep. Right. Just like your shirt says, duck off. He's going to be like, duck, duck off. off. But, but it's true. But you know that, right? Yeah. I, I, Tony, I'm not going to go complaining to Tony Robbins. I'm going to Tony Robbins with a fucking million dollar idea. I'm going to go to him with, you know, how I can add value to his life. I'm going to go to him with all these other things yeah. and, and questions about how he's doing it. That's what you need to look at your life and examine. Do mm. I have those kinds of people in my life? Because those are the people that are going to help you rise. Everyone else is going to keep you where you are. And most of us don't want to be where we are. Because if you're not growing, you're dying. So even if you are someone who's happy right now, there's always another level. Yep. Right? Yep. 100%. So, the thing I love too is, to me, it's just an affirmation of how important it is to be yourself. I know that sounds cliche. But I think it's something people say without really thinking, like, be yourself. Yeah. And surprisingly, it was actually housewife Dr. Wendy Osefo who said, you can't let people change you. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to one of the world's most successful and wealthiest entrepreneurs talk about his se second grade baseball game and talk about loving the process and yep. talk about the sweater his parents knitted him, it's so clear to me that a huge priority and goal for him is to maintain his sense of identity mm -hmm. and not let this crazy journey he's had shape him or not let other entrepreneurs or power players tell him who he is. And that's to me why he has such a clear, distinct voice is because he's letting us in to that, I think. Yeah, I and if you haven't found your voice, it's because you're scared of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. What did he say? He had a fear quote, Fear Whoa, I just gave, hold on. I just gave myself a really great moment. Ooh, say it again. <laughs> Did you even hear what I said? No. Kelsey! Say it again. She's so concerned with what she's going to say. Millennials, damn. Ah! No. Um, I don't even remember what I said. I said, if you haven't found your voice, it's because you're afraid of it yourself. That's like something for everybody to sink on. Now you can go ahead. Carry on. <laughs> Carol's like, hold on, I got something. Woo! Go ahead. Fear lends itself to closed minds. That's all. That, that was a Gary. Oh, that Gary, was a Gary said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it piggybacks on that. That sounds familiar. I was in understanding where no, we were no, going. No, 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 but got I think it. what you said is right on. Yeah. It's right on. I mean, so many of your guests have said fear, fear is courage walking, right? Yeah. So you're scared of your own 
Yeah. Like I know for myself, I'm scared to be totally myself in a lot of arenas like social media. You saw I cracked a joke about divorcing Kevin on Instagram. Now I'm with you and I'm with my best friend from seventh grade. So especially when I'm with Alyssa, I'm my truest self, right? So I'm going to be that like mischievous, playful, playful, whatever, where I crack those kinds of jokes and so it translated energetically in that moment as I'm socialing this picture of me relaxing on the box. And I'm like contemplating, <laughs> you know, relocation, divorce and French toast or something. And people are like, what? You can't joke about this. And now normally that's the fear I have because I know that's going to come. And I was like, no, like this is freaking hilarious, I think. And it led to my like best belly laugh later on when I was talking to Kevin. Because I go, Kevin, I go, did you see my post? He's like, yeah. And I go, well, did you like it? And he goes, I, 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 did, I didn't know how to respond. I Like if I like it, what does it say to people? If I don't like it, what does it say to people? I go, honey, you should just respond and be like, oh my God, great minds think alike. I was thinking the same thing at the same time. I'm like, mess with me back. But I crazy laughed over that oh, yeah. right oh yeah and those are the things that I laugh about behind the scenes I have like this insane sense of humor Kevin has I mean he's like on a whole other level, whole other level. but I get nervous about what people mm-hmm. are going to say always mm-hmm. and so it's nice to have people around you that are the opposite so that you can get that to rub off on you and that was what was a great moment with Gary is let him rub off on us a little bit because yeah. it's um it's it's okay to fail it's okay to lose like we're so taught failure is bad and if we can reverse that narrative for people then think of what we would all be capable of accomplishing in this world if we weren't afraid to fail Mm. damn damn a lot right a lot and i'm sure our society would be happier and better for it i know it would be for sure all right So that was awesome. And I'm very excited for the follow up with Gary because, yeah, there are a lot of technical questions that I think a lot of our audience will enjoy getting to ask. So, guys, right now, if you have a question for Gary V, um, and we're going to try to keep it to kind of entrepreneurial marketing, like his geniuses, right? We don't need to talk to him about... um, you know, other things. I don't know what all other things would be. We covered it. I feel like you I kind of covered it. Yeah. I was going to say the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. As a fan of Gary, the reason I love that interview is because you were smart to not just recycle everything we've seen. So, like, this yeah. is the interview if you want to get to know Gary better. The next one is when we get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. Nitty-gritty. So, thanks, Jeff. So, yeah. um, so here's the deal. Uh, you can email us better together with Maria at gmail.com in the headline, write Gary V. So we know it's for that. Um, and we will figure this out. Maybe it'll be a Patreon thing, actually. Mm. Let's see what he is up for. Anyhow, um, in the meantime, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for being uh, with us every day here. If you like today's episode, here's a good suggestion for you because we do have a very extensive library and you may not have caught up on every episode. Check out our recent episode with Ed Milet from June 10th. Now, Jeff, we do have episode numbers, you realize now, right? Yes, I'm looking that up right now. We so can, I can make three throw episode numbers on here for people, make it easier for them. Yes. Um, 
Ed Milet is uh, another very successful entrepreneur and we had a really great conversation with him. So you can check that out. Um, it was June 10th. It was recent enough you can scroll back, but next time Jeff will have numbers too to help you. Uh, follow us on our new Instagram at Better Together with Maria. Tell us what you're thinking, what you're liking, what you want more of at Maria Menunos at Gary V. V-E-E. <laughs> We're going to put that in the summary of the show. Uh, at Jeff Crane Graham and Kels Meyer too. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. All right, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gary. Today's highlighted review is The Real Deal by Peter Safis. Gary is an authentic person putting his positive energy into the world. Thank you for your kind words and wisdom. He is an incredibly wise and intuitive business operator whose practical empathy is well-suited to serve both business-oriented and non-business-oriented individuals. Thanks, Peter. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.